Hello. Just before we get to this week's interview, a reminder. I'm preparing to travel to the United States for a series of concerts, and I'll be in San Diego on March 11, San Jose on March 12. I'll be at the American Pilgrims on the Camino Gathering in Lake Tahoe on March 14, Whidbey Island outside Seattle on March 16 and 17, and at Genghis Cohen's in Los Angeles on March 18. I'd love to meet you, our Pilgrim family across the world. Let's get into this week's podcast. Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. This is a weekly podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. James was one of Christ's apostles, and we're told he travelled to Iberia after Christ's death to preach the gospel. He was martyred on his return to the Holy Land, his body taken back to the Spanish peninsula for burial. His tomb was discovered hundreds of years later, and the Spanish built a majestic cathedral to house his remains. Santiago de Compostela, or St. James under a field of stars. The shrine became the most famous pilgrimage site in the Christian world. James is patron saint of Spain. More than 350,000 pilgrims walked the various Caminos last year. The most famous is what's called the Camino Francais, which winds its way from St. jean pied de port on the French side of the Pyrenees, west for almost 800 kilometres or 500 miles, to Santiago. All you need is a change of clothes, a water bottle, a small medical kit, and the space and time to walk. People say the Camino is a metaphor for life. Some days you travel easily, the path comes up to meet you. Other days you just can't seem to put one foot in front of the other. Then there are days when you'd rather be anywhere else than pounding the pavement. But eventually you realise it's one of life's great journeys. I was reading a Dr. Seuss book for my little next-door neighbour, Max, this week. I turned the page and read, You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. I thought, ah, there's my quote for the week. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. My guest this week is Paul Garland. I met Paul at the Albergue Phoenix in Via Franca del Biedo in 2017. He was the hospitalero that day, and he's on the line from Spain. Welcome, Pilgrim. Good morning, Dan. Well, morning here. Morning here. <laughs> well, where exactly are you? Um, I'm about 30 kilometres west of Zamora. That's tomorrow with a Z or a Z, depending where you come from. And that is in the far west of the province of Castile and Leon. We're in the Leon province, so about 30 kilometers from Zamora. So looking at a map of Spain, thinking, thinking of it as a square with Portugal on the left or to the west, we're in the upper left quadrant of Spain. And are you uh, operating as, ho- as a hospitalero as right now? Right now, yes. Um, the last four years, I've been, ooh, it's a bit of a long word for this time of the morning, but mm-hmm. peripatetic, hospitalering throughout the year. 
um, a month here, two weeks here, a month there. Uh, but last June, I was offered a fantastic offer to come and start up and look after uh, a brand new albergue um, on the route from Samora via Portugal um, and on to Compostela. So, yeah, I've been now, I think, is it eight or nine months on a startup albergue, which has been amazing. So what is that Camino called that you're on? Um, it goes under two names, which is a little bit confusing, and it's something I think um, the powers that be, whoever they may be, mm. are going to have to sort out just to get one brand, to use a horrible commercial term. Um, it's called either the Camino Zamorano Portugues, the that's Camino Samora Portuguese, Camino Zamorano Portugues, which the people at this end of the route, the Samora, the Spain end, that's what they want it to be called because it gets the city of Samora into the route name. Um, but I prefer, for what it's worth, that it's known as the Portuguese branch of the Via de la Plata. Now, Via de la Plata, as you, many people listening to the podcast will know, um, runs from Sevilla right down in the south, or even Cardi, uh, up to Astorga, where it joins the French route. Now, just north of Samora, one day's walk, um, you have to make a choice, either to continue on the true Via de la Plata, which I'll call the VDLP for ease of... Uh, getting my... Yeah. Well, anyway, you either go up to Astorga to join the French route, but most people at a place called Branjo, Branjo de la Moruela, turn northwest on the San Abres and go through and into Galicia that way. Um, so... What was your original question? I'm well, well, no, I just wondered. Sorry, it, that's all right. No, I just wondered it. exactly where you were, and so now that oh, now sure, that we've established sure. that, uh, how busy is that stretch of of the Camino? Okay, um, on the Via de la Plata, uh, about thirty to forty a day. Um, this year. Um, I spend a lot of time looking at the figures. All hospices, apart from very busy places, have a lot of time. It's a waiting game in, waiting game in many aspects of it. Um, so Via de la Plata, maybe 30 a day this time of year. Um, well, no, 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 maybe 10. Um, but it'll get busier over the next month. It's not a summertime phenomenon because of the heat course. Um, going from Samora North, most people, about 90-95% choose the Sanabres and only 5 to up to Astorga. But here on the um, route that we're on, not at all busy because it's not, there are no guides. The route is signed, and there is enough. Um, there are enough places to stay. Um, over the last couple of years, 
people tell me only about 50 five zero people a year mm. um which uh, is not many um in fact it's very very few um last year here we opened up on june 3rd and just 33 people chose to stay so it's a very very quiet but we're getting it known and um Again, to use a horrible commercial term, um, it's being promoted, or let's put it a better way of putting it is that um, it's being put out there um, through various channels, social media, through even through regional development boards and the local development boards, are just letting people know of the route. Um, it's going to take two or three years. Um, but we're already seeing the fruits of what they did last year. So, yeah, very, very quiet. Um, we've already had the first pilgrim um, guy from uh, West Germany, or Germany, came through about four nights ago. And um, I always ask people how they'd found out about it. And it was nice, really nice to know that he'd caught a social media mention of it, and it tweaked his interest, and along he came. So it's starting, and um, I have a few people expressed an interest and say, look, we'll see you mid-March. There's a little group started down in Sevilla, I think, three, four, five days ago. So they'll be up here in about two, two and a half weeks' time. How fantastic. So what's the name of the albergue? Um, well, the town I'm in, or halfway between a village and a town, is called Rico Bio. So very, very originally, the albergue is called Albergue Rico Bio. <laughs> um, which actually is quite logical. <laughs> well, it's very logical. Uh, some of the association, because we're an association albergue, um, some associations have given their new albergues a different name, perhaps, for instance, Fontanius. It's um, just north of Samora, not on this route, but on the VDLP before the split. And they've called that one Castro Tarafi, which is a castle, a local feature. Um, and if people see Castro Tarafi, where is that? So I think it's a good idea to you yeah. know, stick with the name of the town. So we're Albergi Rikabaya. And so when you said it's an association albergue, what exactly does that mean? Okay. Um, well, as most of, most of your listeners will know, there are three, probably three different types of albergue. First of all, the purely commercial ones run as a private business and for-profit, hopefully, uh, although that's a moot point, of course. Um, secondly, you have the religious, the church, the parochial albergues, hostel. And then you have the association ones, which are run by groups of friends or, um, yeah, mainly when I say friends, they're based from the local area or the province or the town, and there would be an association that 
um, finds a suitable property and um, basically turns it into an albergue and has the support of local members uh, to fund it, to staff it, and so on. Um, our local association from Samora has 13, one, three, 13 different hostels, which is quite a few, um, all run along the same lines. Some of them, the building itself is owned by, for instance, the local council, the Ayuntamiento. Uh, they fund any repairs, do the initial kitting out the structure, and then the association works with them to fund the everyday um, financial requirements and provides the staff and in some ways the know-how because local councils don't always know what pilgrims need and so association hostels albergues um, normally but not always a joint venture between a local council or the town council and um, a group of Camino enthusiasts um, from the local area. So when when yes yeah. yeah no that's I think it's fascinating because when you talk there about the the the, lo the local associations uh, establishing the albergue, are they doing it for mm. philanthropic reasons? Do you think, Paul? I mean, why are they? <laughs> they're not going to make any money out of it. Um, so no. So so are they doing it to provide a service for pilgrims? What's their motivation um, in your view? Okay. I can only talk for our local association. Sure. Um, I, I can speculate. Um, okay. So the local association, uh, the Samoran Friends, um, it's very much a two, um, two different aspects. Uh, first of all, um, you have the local development boards um, wanting to get their part of the world noticed and bring people in. Um, the friends themselves, and of course there's a lot of interaction between the friends and the local development. The friends themselves are very much, it's all there for the pilgrims. Um, pilgrims have to come first. Albergues are for pilgrims. Any um, any other benefits to the local economy, or let's face it, to the local tourist, um, the, the development of local tourism, um, the development boards may be more interested in that. Um, this particular area, it's in Old Leon. There are five, um, five different Caminos run through the province. And uh, the president of our local association, he, uh, that's um, Jose Almeida, he is the long-term permanent champion Camino person from the Albergue Tabara, north of here on the San Andres. Um, he... 
I met his first, um, his vision, mission, everything is pilgrim focused. Um, but he does, he's very, very aware that with the five Caminos that come through the province of Leon, um, it is, it's something that the regional tourist people can hook onto and it's an additional um, come and see Leon aspect of what they do. Uh, that's come and see the province of Leon, not, of course, Leon City, which is uh, way up north from here. You know, it's a mix between uh, the tourist aspects, but, of course, the associations, it's totally pilgrim-focused. But is it the right word? The collateral aspects of regional development. And certainly around here, between here and Portugal, it's part of Espana Vaciada, empty Spain. And with depopulation or abandonment, anything that can bring people into the area must be good. Um, yeah, so it's well, a mix. It's a mix. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense, and and you can understand why they would be motivated to try to reinvigorate those beautiful little towns. Um, some of yeah. some of which, have, as you know, are are gorgeous, and it seems such a um, shame to walk through them and think that they are really fading quickly. Um, they really are fading. Certainly, between Samora and Portugal, um, I've yet to walk through the Portugal part of this route, although I have have been by car as far as possible, an off roader, which was rather fun. Um, many of the villages, they're not tumble down. Those of us who've been on the French route, uh, fond memories of tumble down villages, uh, many of which have been built up again and yeah. are pretty thriving. We think of Ponte Bidon, Rabanal, so many places. Um, around here, we don't have the tumble down so much but we do have the unoccupied and the beginning to tumble down. Yeah. Um, the depopulation has been, um, it's more recent. It's more over the last 50 years with um, agricultural developments, not needing the manpower, not needing the, the women power. Let's put it that way. Cause you see the pictures of, um, Seeing the old pictures, it wasn't just the men, it was everyone, the whole village. And as soon as the combine harvesters came through, about 30, 40 years ago, suddenly whole swathes of the country emptied out. So, not tumble down, but um, depopulated is that word comes up again and again. And throughout many areas of Spain, Teruel for instance. Uh, it's a big political talking point at the moment. Uh, so anything that can uh, prevent that happening or um, make, make it less of an issue uh, is to be welcomed on the political front as well. Yeah, and it's not just Spain. Um, it's happening all around the world, to be completely honest. Mm. Um, the the, uh, the the you know rural areas is, 
are slowly dying. Um, certainly, it's the case in Australia. Let, let's just talk. Yeah. Let's just talk about you for a minute. How, how did how did this whole journey for you begin? <laughs> and and, and um, may, I mean, maybe let me ask yeah. you. Maybe let me ask you first. Sure. Do you remember how you first heard about the Camino? Um, not how I first heard about it. Now I do remember the word pilgrim from school. It was a hymn, uh, and we had to sing them. It was one of. I always thought pilgrim sounded an ugly word. It's it's a hard word. <laughs> so yeah, that was. Like the, First introduction to the word pilgrim. But for Camino, no. But I remember and I can visualize it. Uh, you know, I could be there now, I remember. I just, um, my partner of the time, Marielle, lovely French girl, um, we were just coming to the end of a three or four year relationship. And my contract with my work uh, had just come to an end. And out of the blue, Muriel, bless her, said, oh, why don't you have a complete change? How about walking the Camino? I thought, hmm, tell me about it. She did, briefly. She didn't know much, but she must have heard about it. And three days later, I was off and away. I didn't oh. have any home things to wrap up. Um, I have the divorce T-shirt and the grown-up children T-shirt. And was living in a eco-village community um, where I only had to give a week's notice. So no roots there, no responsibilities to um, horrible things like mortgages or, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, so three days later, I was off and never looked back. What year was that? That was 2012. Okay. Um, about lovely time of year, late spring 2012. And, uh, so it just happened almost overnight. So I remember that. I can just picture that. Yeah. And uh, as I say, never looked back. It's clearly had a big influence on your life if you're still there. Um, but uh, and I'll get to the role and life of a hospitalero in a in a moment. But do you still walk? Sure. Do you do you walk the Camino often? Um, I do, but less and less. Um, I'm mid sixties now, um, which is young. Um, well, I say mid sixties in body, but about thirteen and a half in. In, um, how can we put it, uh, <laughs> mental age, for want of a better word, which I think is always a good way to be. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but no, I, what I tend to do now is in between hospice stints, and you've got to take a break if you're working in busy places. Um, me now, I have to go and find busy places just to go and see people. Yeah. Um, but when you're working as hospital, you do have to take a break now and again so you don't get burnt out, so you can keep the freshness and not become either blasé or feed off by the constant demands of people. Um, so I don't walk a lot. I tend to take a week or two's break and just do a couple of sections, of, for instance, the French route and bus to one large town and walk for four or five days. And uh, I still enjoy it. 
I was going to walk the route I'm on here at the end of February, but I we had freezing fog and I chickened out. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I will do later on this year. I'll be a fair weather walker. Yeah. You know, people talk about the Camino being a life-changing experience. How do you, do, how do you describe the Camino to people? Um, I don't because I'm out here. People I talk with already know, so there's no need. Yeah. Um, I very seldom go back to UK. I went back to the, for the first time in two years in November to see my grown-up boys. And so I really don't have to describe Camino to people. Um, if that, that does answer your question, I well, don't have to talk about it. The yeah. people I see already, already know. Um, love well, talking about it, of course. We eat, live, and breathe Camino. If people want to talk about it when they're here, uh, we respect their, depending who they are, some people want to tell us everything. Others, they may have been walking for a month. They just want to be nice and quiet maybe chat about something totally non-Camino related, which can be interesting. Um, but no. Um, and I, I find that people at home, my home country, UK, um, one or two really want to know, but most people think, oh, yeah, mm, Spain, fine. Oh, and then show no particular more interest, but... There's one or two people, they get hooked or they hear about it and get the call, whatever you, whichever way you want to describe it. And then, of course, um, I have to stop myself saying too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I suppose when you are living and breathing it every day, and as you said earlier, some days you don't get any guests and it can go days, oh. days without getting any <laughs> guests. Um, 55 days was the longest without anyone last year. Well, let That's, me, um, let me, do you get lonely? Are you on your own? Um, I'm on my own, um, but I have enough Spanish by no means. Um, well, I haven't mastered it. I never will now. Um, so I can talk with local people. Um, just be got, got beyond the, uh, isn't it nice weather today stage. Um, but no, lonely, hmm, yeah, I think um, solitary is a better word. Yeah. Um, it's solitary. Lonely is a choice. Solitary is a, not necessarily a choice. I've got lots of books. Um, I've got the fabulous internet playing around on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, which you may be aware of. Of course, of um, course. But um, no, not lonely. Um some days you think, hmm, what would I give to be going? For instance, where we met, where we both met the Dave Feni, never a quiet day. Um, I think ideally you have a mix of um, busy period, then a quiet, um, reflective period, time to charge up batteries again. But no, um, it, it can be a solitary life. 
uh, running in Arbergi, um, especially if you're off the main drags or, for instance, yeah. on the French route. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it goes with the territory. It does yeah. go with the territory. So um, lo- when you say it goes with the territory, um, that's because you're on a remote uh, uh, Camino, you you know, you, you're choosing to live out yeah. there. And, you know, I think I love the sound of it, to be completely honest, <laughs> the solitary mm-hmm. life and, and having that time to yourself for me would be just an absolute blessing. But but yeah. as a hospitalero, uh, yeah. you you really have to give yourself to those pilgrims, don't you? It's it's not an easy yeah. life. Um you know, you have to be. This is this is talking about when you meant when you mentioned Alberga Phoenix in in Via Franca, and mm-hmm. and if you if you're working at Rabanal del Camino for the Confraternity of St James, or that's yeah. that's an entirely different gig, isn't it? It it very definitely is. That's hard physical work you can get. Uh, well, it's constant. Or Leon, Leon, the big uh, Carbacalis city centre Alberghi there. 200 beds, and anything up to 15 hours a day constant. Uh, you have to be dedicated. You have to enjoy it. You have to have a passion. If you don't, then um, that passion gives you the energy to be able to do it. Um, that's only on the busy places you go to a quieter place, you have got rest time. And, of course, most people do only uh, a two-week um, enough time in a busy life to put in two weeks. So um, I always feel very privileged to, you know, to have the time there. Never retired, but of an age where I don't have to – I haven't got that um, – I have all the time I need, all the time I want now. You know, the, the pilgrims um, say one of the things they love most about the Camino is it's a very simple, um, a simple life, uh, a simple existence. There's absence of choice, black or white coffee, basically. You get up in the morning and off you go on the road. Yeah. The coffee's good too, by the way, isn't it? It's actually very, very good. It's, it's, it is. I've got one in front of me right now. Uh, not quite like a machine one. Uh, yeah, it is one of the attractions. <laughs> but um, you, you must love meeting people. If you don't feel at ease with people, no, I never did. That was something that it was just changing in me before I discovered Camino. Um, I'll never be a party animal, uh, but uh, I do now love and get great satisfaction out of talking with a total, total, a whole spectrum of people um, that you see through coming through on the different Caminos. I've even, I have a little game that I play sometimes, um, the Tourigrinos, the tourists, and fair play. It's not just the pilgrims. This is my personal opinion nowadays. Um, Caminos are not just pilgrims. Why not tourists? Please don't take our beds, but pilgrim beds. But I play a little game. Um, you get uh, 
game with myself and not let it show. But Tourigrino is coming through and, you know, just trying to not turn them around into seeing what the other aspects of Camino are, the pilgrimage aspects. Um, and you have to play games, those sort of games sometimes, because it is, uh, this harks back to your simplicity it's, and the, the repetitive nature of a, the hospitalero function, horrible word. Um, but yet all the different people, the whole spectrum of people coming through ages, backgrounds, professions, problems. Um, and yeah, it's the whole range of people. And that, and very concentrated. Um, so I haven't put that very well. No, no, um, no, no. That's a very good answer. It's a very, very good answer. But how do you see um, your role in people's Camino? Uh, how important is a hospitalero's or hospitalera their role in yeah. in people's yeah. Camino? Um. I think you have to be very careful, very careful there and split it in. Well, certainly make a hospitalero, an albergue, a hospitalero, first and foremost covers the basics, the bed, the shower, and a roof, and that's it. Um, that's the basics. Without that, um, doesn't matter who the hospice is what the facilities are, if you cover those basics, you've done your job. Everything else is an extra. Um, the role of the hospice can be informative, like where do we go tomorrow, from the very simple things, to um, shit, excuse me, but I've just had my wallet stolen or I've lost my passport. What do I do? I don't speak Spanish. Um so the hospice, once he's covered the basics, um, it can widen out into um, doing something more than that. Um, and if you don't know, I know someone who can help you out and get on the phone and, you know, put them into the experts. Yes. Yeah. There are a few in Behind the scenes, there is a network of people. Um, I only know a few, but there must be many, many more. Um, all the different nationalities have, uh, people from different countries have an expat community, either in Santiago or, for instance, Leon, Oviedo, and presumably further east and indeed in France. I'm sure in Italy as well, Portugal. Um, where if there are the, occasionally there will be bad news from home or accidents out here. Um, there is very, a quite a developed, very much behind the scenes, um, group of individuals who the hospital can call on in those, um, cases of uh, people find themselves foreign country, penniless, uh, paperless, as in no passport, yeah. 
etc., etc. And that is where um, hospice can do more than just provide the bed and a wave off in the morning. You know, I, I only once on the entire thousand kilometre pilgrimage I did in 2017 and uh, the, the 350 kilometre pilgrimage in 2016, I only once mm-hmm. came across a hospitalero who I thought shouldn't be doing it. Uh, I think you were quite lucky. <laughs> um, but then I see a lot. No, and, the vast, vast I, majority. I, I, the vast majority are clearly <laughs> enjoying themselves. Why on earth would you do it if you didn't enjoy it? Uh, exactly. There are one or two people who haven't got anywhere else to go. Ah. Yeah. And they also enjoy the simplicity of a hospice life without the, how can I put it, the obligations or the responsibilities of paying bills. Now, people, I'm thinking of one person in particular, two now, who have bought their own commercial albergue, and they wouldn't think this way at all, of course. Um, But some hospices, um, they too find it's a way of prolonging their amino experience, you haven't got the bills coming through. You haven't, if something, if you get a leak in the roof, you just get on the telephone and it gets done for you. Um, Losing my drift a bit here, but you get the sense of what I'm saying. Sure. To go back, some hospice, one or two, how can I put it? People often write to me uh, or... We, get it, we come across each other through social media, saying, I'd love to be a hospital. Can you give me a, an in to this world? How do you do it? And I, I do have a, um, a few lines that I always send to people. I don't personalize it until I know them. But they look, here's, one or two, here's a couple of ways you could, um, you know, do it yourself because uh, I'm not going to feed you everything that I know, um, because they really have to decide if that's what they want to do. And if they really want to do it, they will find it. We've got Google, and I'll give them the first first couple of leads, and they're on their own of that. Um, But there are one or two hospices that, in my personal opinion, um, I always use this this phrase, they'd be better off, yeah, serve the Camino, um, you may want to consider fundraising. Um, yeah. Um, the, the vast majority have the passion for it. Um, they may be a bit strict, and sometimes in big hostels you have to be firm. Um, or they may um, they may impose their home country um Customs on the albergue. Let's face it, we're in Spain, but uh, should we really be um, trying to turn our albergues into um, oh, I don't want to mention any specific countries, but uh, you know, have Johnny Cash music playing in the morning or. <laughs> Let me try and, <laughs> you know, yeah. do, you, do you get my drift? Yeah, sure I do, um, I, 100%. 100%. Although 
Yeah, although that's not to say they shouldn't, all the Arbergers should have the character of either of their permanent hospice or if someone comes for two weeks, for heaven's sake, cover the basics, put, put your own style into it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they don't have to be, and it's much better that they're not all the standard. Um, I mean, as you know from Ave Phoenix in Franca, where we met, um, some places are quirky, and that's down to the owner or the permanent guy there. Um, it's part of the fun of it, and, you know, the older generation, pilgrims who... I love reading stories from the 70s, but more the 80s and 90s. And there were, and this is only through reading, um, there were some strange characters running albergues in the old days, the good old days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One or two of the old generation are still alive and getting stranger by the day, but I'll say no more about that. (laughs) Good hearts, but... um, you know, these guys who've been running, uh, like like Jesus, like Hato from everything, he was born next door. He's 80. He's come all of his life looking after pilgrims and his parents before him. Wow. Gone from one, gone from one a month, if they were lucky, um, to, let's face it, three, four hundred a day at peak periods. So, uh, yeah, some are quirky. That Some, is that is uh, incredible. Yeah, he that guy is amazing. Um, he's still going strong, more than strong. And he's at um, Fe- he's at the Phoenix in um, in Via Franca. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. of hospi friends uh, came through in December, and we fixed them up. They'd work, we'd worked together with Hato, and um, at, when you see behind the scenes, what else he does. It's phenomenal, but you know he's one of these characters, yeah, an yeah. institution. He's he's not the only one, but the older generation have obviously passed on there. Um, I think he's one of the last ones, and the new generation. Um, you know, there's I think there's, there are still one or two characters of the old school. Um, there, anyone with a vision like Hatto, most people with visions do tend to be a little strange. It's the only way they can get their vision um, made into reality. Do you do you have a favourite yeah. albergue where you spend time? Ooh, now that's a difficult one. I have a half a dozen that I love staying. Um, must be many more. Um, I'm a creature of habit. I tend to return to places I enjoy being at. Um, I love working and helping in Sagun um, at the Benedictine Marist Oh, there. I love that place. I've uh, stayed there twice. I love that place so much. Well, this in not the municipal, but um, yeah, they've had big problems with their plumbing system and um, without plugging the group uh, responsible, uh, but the they've had major problems with, and they were threatened with being closed down by the local health people. 
um, with the plumbing, with the water supplies. Um, and uh, this is going off at a tangent a bit, but uh, there was a call put out for funding, funding the repairs and the new things necessary. And within four or five days, more than 10,000 euros was raised. And Sagun, um, Santa Cruz, is due to open in March as planned again wow. with a new plumbing system. Um, that leads me on, if I may, just to say that there are the different groups, and I only know a few of them, of course. Um, many people in Spain think the government or the city hall will pay for uh, pilgrim infrastructure. They don't. Um, most of it comes through private donations. Um, and when you get an emergency in a small albergue, for instance, the freezer breaks down, um, when you're relying on pilgrim donations, you can't go out and spend 300 euros on a freezer or what have you. Uh, when it comes to something major like the plumbing overhaul hot water system, Fifteen, twenty thousand dollars or euros worth of uh, a call for that amount of money. Uh, so there are different um, associations. Comes to mind immediately: Canada, the United States, uh, London, England, of course. Um, putting big amounts in, not just throwing money at Camino World but they have their ears to the ground and they will hear of either a big problem or what's big to an individual albergue, like the freezer breaking down. Or yeah. Hot water system that's, okay, $500, impossible for um, a small albergue to fix, but critical. So all these ways of helping horrible phrase again, Camino World, they are in action. And um, it's a way of people who don't, people who understandably don't have the time to physically come out and be on the ground, they can support through their local, uh, for instance, in the States, their local uh, chapter of American Pilgrims on Camino, APOC, uh, they can fund fund um, projects either from startup one, excuse me, which won't be on a commercial basis, uh, or they can step in when there's an urgent need. Um, so it's a way for people to support um, to support pilgrims to support the infrastructure uh, from home. Yeah. Yeah, Look, we're, we're running out of time. We're running out of time, yeah, and you have yeah, a bus yeah. to catch. But your Facebook page <laughs> says in Spanish, "I draw from the absurd three consequences, which are my rebellion, <laughs> my freedom, and my passion." Does that say a lot about you, Paul? Uh, I'd like to think so. It's my um, social media. Ooh, uh, it's my social media thing. Everyone has a. Most people, I think it's safe to say, have uh, real life, who they are in real life, 
and who they'd like the world to think they are, or who, in my case, who I'd like to think I am. <laughs> rebel? No, not really a rebel. Um, what were the three ones again? Um, my freedom and my passion. Okay, freedom and passion, yeah. yeah. Freedom to and freedom from, two different aspects. Um, but hey, I've, made, I've managed to uh, get free from and free to do things and free from things. Yeah, how Passion fabulous. Work, you know, so yeah, it's worked for me. It's worked for me. I think it's a great story. I really do. I, I remember meeting you and, and we've stayed in touch on social media and I look forward to crossing paths with you again. You've been very, very kind with your time, Paul, and I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. I, I know our paths will cross again. Um, I only hope, really, that it's sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, next when you're next over, I know you're off to. Uh, is it you're off to the states? Must be tomorrow, if not the next day. Uh, so it's a, it's in about away. yeah, in about a week. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Wish you all the best for that one. And I just got to say that um, I did listening to your, one of your, I think your most recent published podcast. You'll be playing at Genghis Cohen. Now, whoa, what a what an image that throws up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Sounds That's fun. in Los Angeles. I know I don't know anything oh. about it. A friend of mine said if you play LA, you've got to play at Genghis Cohen. So I contacted them and uh and anyway, I've booked it in yeah. and well they booked me, so it's fantastic. Listen, I'll let you go. Walk on and yep. thank you, Paul, for the work you do in making the world and the Camino. Camino, a happier place. Buen Camino, my friend. Igualmente, likewise, Dan. Pleasure talking. Good to talk. Bye-bye now. Okay. Ciao. My guest this week is Paul Garland, the British hospitalero. I read a quote from the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, to begin the interview. You're off to great places. Today's your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. I've been adding a song from my new album to close out the podcast over the first 11 weeks of the new year. This week, it's a song I wrote about holding on to what is sacred. Australia was ravaged by bushfire over the summer. More than 20 people killed, thousands of homes destroyed. This song is called Don't Let Go. The message is simple. If there's a chance we can save it, we should save it. Don't let go. Thanks for your company this week. You can download my album from all music streaming sites or you can find me danmullinsmusic.com or you can sponsor me as well, patreon.com forward slash danmullins and visit my website to contact me about my upcoming tour of the United States, danmullinsmusic.com. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Should I feel angry Even when I feel down It's just a game that you're playing The talk of the town 
Take 